Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to our Back at Wonderland, the National Podcast. As you know, my name is Carl, and I'm here, your host today, because Chris only cares about French football and doesn't want to be part of ABW anymore. Those are the words of, not myself, but of Danny. And since I've said his name, I'm going to introduce him first. Danny, how are you? Uh, I'm very good. And when we were talking about how... Un- well, Chris will never listen to this, eh? Yeah. Oh. Uh, when we were talking about how useless Chris was, Sean said, would you say that if you were live? I said, of course I bloody wouldn't. And that's how Carl starts the show. Excellent. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all going to be on... We're going to get scurvy in the post. I'm very good, Carl. Thank you very much for offering. There's nearly no show tonight. I forgot I'd asked Stan. And then Richard said, uh, and then I went, oh, I don't know if anyone's coming on. Then Carl said, I can do it. And so we are all here, ready to talk the Arsenal. We are indeed. Can we get her away from Sean as she's back visiting you, Danny? Tell her to come on and say hello. Carl says, come and wave to the boys and girls watching at home. Me? Yeah. Take my hair down. Oh. Got no makeup on. No makeup. She would have been chatted up by one lunatic today. It's all right. It's all right. Ne- crashed his car. It's all right. I don't have makeup on either. Stan, Stan, do you have makeup on? We look alike when I've got no makeup on. <laughs> Hello, Sean, how are you? Oh, she can't hear me anyway. Do you look the okay, same? Let's move. ain't got my big beak, so that's, that's lucky. Go away now, Carl's okay. running the show. Okay, <laughs> uh, I'm also going to say hello to Richard, Cactus Cash. How are you, sir? I'm very well, my man. Very, very well. How are you? Uh, I'm not too bad. This week has seemed to be dragging a lot. And I'm very, very tired, and this week has not stopped yet. However, tomorrow, hopefully, well, when you listen to this, should be better because the mighty Arsenal are playing, and obviously, depending on the result, whether my mood plummets or it gets lifted. So we'll see. Uh, also, with us is Stan the Man. How are you, sir? Not very well, to be honest. Bad back, Carl. Bad back is the problem of my life now for the, at the moment. But other than that, I'm glad to be here with all of you. Um, I'm not. Danny said that there's um, where he lives. There's a nice shop that you go into to get a deep tissue massage, and you also get a very happy ending when you leave. <laughs> mm, that actually could be worth the flight from Vancouver. To be fair. <laughs> Danny will give you the exact um, postcode and also who to ask for. I'm not going to say Dave, her name. Lovely right. man, hairy hands. But they, <laughs> but they are like they are uh, like a scrubbing brush. There's good exfoliation. Yeah, flight cancel. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on. H- hairy hands. What like Richard Keys? <laughs> I think it might be Richard Keys. Oh God. No. Yeah, Stan, stay in Vancouver, things. mate. Stay in Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want those hairy yeah, hands on those Richard Keyes' hands over them. Right, let's talk Arsenal. Um, it's not been very good results lately, has it? Well, I say not good. Anybody can go to Anfield and get a 2-2 draw. Um, you know, I think that's quite a good result. But I think I think it's the way that we kind of lost the result. And also drawing against West Ham 
you know, a team that's sort of fighting relegation, being 2-0 up and not getting the desired result is obviously not very good. So I'm going to come to you first, Richard. Um, we'll talk about West Ham first because that's the most recent game. You know, we're 2-0 up and we're cruising. And then some people say that we threw away the lead or we kind of did. And it's a bad result. I mean, getting any point, I think, is an OK result. But on the... On the grand scheme of things in, in the wider scheme, like, how do you see the West Ham result? Oh, the, well, I saw the West Ham result in almost a polar opposite that I saw the Liverpool result, as you, as you mentioned a bit earlier, you know, the, whereas I think, you know, you could say it's a credible point from getting, you know, at, at, at Anfield, even though you was a bit flat because we were winning 2-0, drop in two points against West Ham, who in the league have not been great shakes, is a bit of a kick in the teeth, especially considering the way it happened in the sense of, you know, that first 10 minutes was absolutely fantastic. We were playing some absolutely outstanding football. Um, and I I thought it was, I thought we were going to absolutely just walk all over them and steam, steamroll them. You know, the crowd was quiet. We were knocking the ball around, playing lovely little triangles and, and you know, uh, just it, completely in control. And then, you know, a, a moment of nonchalance madness, uh, you know, and they they get a, they get a goal back, and it just it all changed. And, and then from that, we we just didn't look the same, and we just looked flat. And I think that was everything from from Partey trying to skip the ball over of um, of Rice and Rice, you know, whether it was handball or not, you know, uh, putting the pressure on him and, and winning the ball. Everything from that was just was just really flat and crap. So it, it kind of it left a bad, a bad taste. I mean, like you know, it, it can happen in London derbies, you know, or you know, against West Ham. I think someone I, I saw, um, I think it was it last year that Man City drew two two there and missed a penalty. So I mean, it can happen. It's just a, uh, it's just a slight realization that the fact that you know we have to be and we've had to be all season nigh on perfect to even keep pace or keep ahead of this cyborg state funded Man City side. And this was where we didn't want to, to, to drop points. And that's, uh, it was a bit flat. That was, that was my overall impression at the end of it. I was just, I was just gutted that we dropped those two points. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, Stan, what do you think is like the key fundamental reason why, We've kind of lost a 2-0 lead twice in a row. I mean, once you can kind of forgive, and but twice. Do you think it's pressure? Do you think it's playing without pressure? You know, when you look at the Bournemouth result, when we was 2-0 down, you know, it was all, the pressure was on us and we just wanted to win. We wanted to just go out and try and get a result. And when we're sort of cruising, do you think the boys, being so young, and, and they are young, kind of just forget, or just think to themselves, oh, we're tuning up, we're fine. We can sort of push the ball around, not play so hard because we're tuning up and we're fine. Yeah, I think it's exactly that. I mean, you look at those two uh, draws, and if you home in more on the uh, on the West Ham one, for me, I think it got to, it was at the stage where some of our players, or I could maybe say all of the eleven, were starting to believe their own headlines a little bit because you know the move by Thomas Partey 
that is what is that what is it all about is that a is that complacency? Is that being cocky, thinking that everything's in the bag? I'm just going to flick it over this player. And for me, it's a little bit more that he's one of the experienced ones. If you look at him by age, you know, he should be one of the, the cooler heads on the pitch. You know, it's not like it was one of the younger ones, a Martinelli trying to flick that didn't come off. And I think that just goes down to being a little bit too relaxed. And as I said before, you know, starting to believe your own headlines and how good that you really are. You know, when I looked at the last 10 games that we had to go, you know, I had already come to terms with myself that I don't expect us to win every single game. You know, there will be bumps in the road. There may be, a, you know, draws here and there. But in the manner that we started that game at West Ham, I mean, when that second goal went in, surely I couldn't have been the, the only one that just sort of like reclined back and put their, their hands behind their head with a big cheeky smile or waiting for the onslaught of goals and think to myself, oh, I wonder who the next score is going to be now. I wonder if there's going to be another couple of goals from, you know, Jesus. And before you know where you are, the game just got away from us. And that should not have happened. And, you know, people always want to, 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 to find blame. Is it the manager? Is it the players? I think both of them can take equal parts in losing those two points because I don't think the substitutions and the changes that the manager made helped the, the cause any anymore. So I think it's a mixture of the two and it's down to complacency. I mean, yeah, I agree. Danny, um, when, so Stan said something that I was going to touch on about coming from the manager. I mean, you always see Arteta pulling the players over, like having a word with them. And I'm sure that even he would have been saying like, come on guys, you've got to keep on, carry on, like, come on, keep on attacking. But, you know, at, at some point, you know, even he puts his head in his hands when we lose a 2-0 lead. Do you think, obviously he being very young um, himself, do you think it kind of stems from him or do you think it's totally down to the players? Overexcited, I think. If you get overexcited, I mean, no one expects to go to Anfield and win, especially even now when they've got the rubbish away and they're brilliant at home. And they go there and they get like excited kittens and then we fluff chances. I think a lot of it is inexperience. Because um, if you look at the ones that are up front, apart from Hey Hoos, it's, uh, it's, it's Martinelli, it's Sacco, it's... Um, it's Trossard, who's never really played at this high level and with this much intensity. And then I was thinking, um, have uh, is it maybe it's because uh, they're not used to being in the position we are at the top of the league, Cole? But uh, have you got time for a, a little quick quiz, Cole? Might take you a couple of minutes. That's really interesting and it's to do with this subject, uh, unsurprisingly. Do you want to give it a go? Go for it. Go for it. Eight current Arsenal first team players have won 23 top tier league championships in seven countries. Who, who are they? Um, I thought maybe there was one Zin, or two. It's tw- it's Zinchenko. So Zinchenko. Yeah, he's won um, four with Man City. Gabriel Jesus. Jesus has won f- four in Man City and one in Brazil. Kieran Tierney. Tierney has won four in a row in Celtic. Celtic. Uh, Thomas Partey. Didn't he win yeah. with Atletico? Yeah, uh, I'm assuming Martin Odegaard might have won it somewhere. No, I thought he had. No. That's the one I, I, I would have checked on. I mean, you can jump in as well if you want. Oh, okay. Did 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 um, El Nene win the league with Basel? The the Egyptian prince. He he hey, won it uh, forty four years in a row. <laughs> uh, Jorginho as well. Didn't he win it with Chelsea? I thought he did. Nope. Oh, okay. Man United 2-0 uh, down, 4-2 on aggregate. <laughs> no, it's offside. Um, 
Vieira. Actually, that's one I didn't know. Back-to-back, tie- no, he won two titles in three years with, with Porto. So the only one oh. you're missing now is one that no one would ever get, which is Gabriel. He won. He was on loan at Dynamo Zagreb in 17-18. He played one game and they won the title. <laughs> and uh, the other one that I forgot about, uh, Granit Xhaka with Basel, back-to-back titles. So there you go. And also Pablo Mari won it in Brazil, but he's not on... He's not with us anymore. So, I mean, that is 20... Bubba, cat. That is 23 top-tier titles. So, would you say, Carl, that, that there is enough experience of coping and dealing with the pressure from those players? Because uh, one, two, three, four, four, five, six of those are regular first-team players. I mean, yeah, we should be able to deal with the pressure. And the thing is, is there pressure... I'm saying this because everybody from the start of the season didn't expect us to win it. No pundit expect us to be where we are. Everyone thought we'd be full, four, fifth. So you would kind of expect them to go out there with no pressure. But the problem is, and I think what Richard and also Stan touched on, was they're starting to believe themselves. They're starting to read headlines. They're starting to see interviews, what people are saying about them, you know, that they actually could win it. And obviously, when you get to this end of the tape, um, this end of the season and you're up there, you start to believe it yourself. There's no way that they're not talking about it in the dressing room. I know from the headlines will be, oh, we're not mentioning about it, we're taking it game by game, you know, all the all the um, normal headlines that the, you expect the club to put out. But of course they are. Of course they're talking about it. They must be. Um, and and I think it was Stan that sort of touched on it where he was talking, oh, Richard, sorry, when he was saying about the flicks from Partey, you know, you don't expect Partey's one of the oldest members in our squad. You don't expect it to be do that, especially with someone I get as good as Declan Rice. He is a very good player. You you would expect him to to be a bit more smart. I mean, if it comes off, everybody looks at me. It's brilliant, but the problem is, is when it doesn't come off, you kind of look silly. And you know, we could talk about whether it's handball or not. I personally don't think it was handball. That's just my personal opinion. But um, I guess I would, everyone will look at it differently. But um, what I would like to see is us just play a bit better. I mean, we can talk about the individuals and Richard. I per- my personal opinion is that Saka didn't have a very good game, and nor did Thomas Partey. But um, do you think it was just an off day? Do you think Saka looked a bit tired? Because I personally think Saka looked just a little bit jaded, like he couldn't be bothered. Not saying he couldn't bother to run because Saka would always give you 110%. That's what he does. But he, you don't see the same spark in him. I guess at West Ham that you saw towards the beginning of the season and was at the middle of the season. Do you think that he needs a rest? Do you think that Arteta just needs to leave him out? I know we've got a bit of a rest against, um, who did we play the game before Liverpool? I can't remember, but he didn't What's start. That? He started Tross, um, He started Trossard instead. Um, uh, 4-1 Leeds. Yeah, he didn't start against Leeds, did he? Uh, but he still came on. Would you like to see Saka get a bit of a rest? I mean, we're playing Southampton Friday. Just mm. sit out, or do you think we've got to play our hundred percent first team? It's a hard one in the sense of if any of the, if any of the games you're going to rest him in, it would be Southampton at home. Um, because I, I I do think that he 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 did look he did look jaded. He did look a bit a bit especially as the the half gone because he never comes off. Saka, he's one of the few players who. You know, he, he gets absolutely flogged to death for you know for 
seemingly now for club and country, the 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 the, the kid just never seems to come off. And <clears throat> you know, he he didn't seem to have his usual, you know, f- four or five yards of of of, of pace uh, of of acceleration that he that he, he normally has. You know, it, it also doesn't help that he's now being absolutely targeted whenever you see him. Uh, you know, towards a ball, you've got the 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 fullback, you've got the, the the winger on him, and you've got you know that left eight on him as well, um, or right eight. Sorry, um, you know, you've got players on him all the time, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I I, I thought he I thought that he was going to come off um, earlier against um, against um, uh, West Ham because I I I didn't think he had a a particularly good game, but I suppose. You know what he gives to the team is fairly unique. You know that ability to 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 beat a person inside and outside. Be you know, you know one of the reason why he's so effective. You know, going in on his on he's able to ability to go in on his right foot as well. You know the fact that he's he's his long shots have got better as well. I think you know I would I. In any of the games, I think that to answer your question, if any of the games that I would like for him to have a rest, it probably would be this Southampton game because you could probably, you know, slot in Trossard um, or even Emil Smith Rowe, who's barely had a kick since he's come back from injury. And at home, you could probably get away with it a little bit easier but I mean like I know it sounds over because I just complained about uh, you know flogging him but we 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 need him to step up and play as many games as possible because he's a match winner he's an absolute superstar for us so it's it's, it is a tough one but he has looked super jaded of late. No I agree. Um, Stan do you think that Partey's games kind of changed because he's playing in front of Rob Holding. I mean, when you've got someone like Saliba on the ball, who is an absolute Rolls Royce of a player, he knows that he can get good passes from um, Saliba. Um, not to say that Rob Holding is a bad player, but you're not in possession. He's not as calm as Saliba is. So maybe he had to come deeper to get the ball because I felt like he wasn't playing his normal game and he did have to come deeper and he wasn't having such an effect on the game. Do you think Saliba's got a big part of this? Maybe as well that missing Zinchenko, he's uh, part of is also missing him coming into the middle to create a kind of a, almost sometimes at points a double pivot to help him out. And, you know, Tierney's trying to play that way to fit in to the vision that Mikel Arteta has for the fullbacks. But maybe having Zinchenko out contributed to uh, uh, Thomas Partey, but and, and also without going into details, maybe he's got a lot on his mind at the moment as well. You know, there's a lot of stories and things flying around about Thomas Partey, and who knows what that how what that effect can have on you. You know, just and the crowd getting his back about, about it, wouldn't you. they? crowd singing songs and stuff like that. But they they've been they've been doing that since the Palace game, since the first game of the season. I. Uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I think he's he's dealt with that all all season, whatever the issues and stuff like that. Even from let's say the first game of the season, I I, I completely agree with Stan. Though I, I think that missing that two footedness of Zinchenko partying, um, 
partying, Part, uh, partnering Partey midfield was a was was a big loss because you're right. Tierney was trying to do it loads, but he's so one footed that he's always going to come on uh, 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 into the one side. Whereas Zinchenko is so comfortable with yeah. either foot, it, you know, it helps him out loads. Also, as well, just with the question that you asked uh, Richard about Saka um, playing in the next game. I think had we had a decent result against West Ham and got all three points, you could probably consider giving Saka a breather if if needed. But because we've come off the back of two draws now, I think it's going to be important for Mikel Arteta to get the winning mentality back into the team, to get the team back into a winning groove. So you'll probably see that he will pick the strongest eleven that he can to ensure that the team gets back into a winning mentality. Carl, no, got a question for you. Um, I think that's the first time we've seen Tyranny do the exact role or try and do the exact role that Zinchenko did. So do you think it was odd the fact that Zinchenko got dropped after giving away the penalty? Do you reckon it was because of the penalty? And how do you think KT did doing the Zinchenko role? Because it, it's something I've never seen him do before. Um, I don't know if he got dropped per se. I think he was injured, or the story was he was injured because he wasn't even on the substitutes bench, was he? So I don't think he was dropped per se. Um that's not Tierney's game. Tierney is not the player to come inside and sort of try and beat a couple of defenders and become a central midfielder. He is a left back or left full back. His job is to run up and down that wing and cross the ball in. That's that's his job. That's how he's played his whole career. And I think to try and change his game now is going to be very hard, especially when you're not getting regular game time. When you're asking someone to do that, um, who you can sit out for like five, six games and then come in and say, right, that's going to be your new game. It's hard, especially to do that for 90 minutes. It's very, very hard. I mean, that's what why Arsenal fans were kind of on Lukonga's back because Lukonga would be out wouldn't even get a minute on the pitch for like seven games and then be expected to be thrown in and play 90 minutes. It's, you, you can't do that. Um, I guess we'll touch on um, Mikel Arteta substitutions later because I think Richard's touching it. Um, so, um, Stan, um, I... Kieran Tierney is a left-back. That's his job. He's a left fullback, and he will give you... He'll defend brilliantly. He will go up and down that wing. He'll get the ball into the box because that's him. Um, I think... Him not getting any game time, you know, he's a little bit rusty and now he's kind of getting into the groove. You can't expect him to do what Zinchenko does. The same reason why you can't expect Eddie Nketiah to do what um, Jesus does. You just can't do it. The same how you can't expect Granit Xhaka, if he was to play in a different um, area of the pitch, it just can't happen. So I think Mikel Tottenham may be expecting a little bit much of Kieran Tierney. You know what you get with Kieran Tierney. He's going to defend well. He's going to, you know, um, stay wide. He's going to get out on the wing, and that's him. But to him to try and play the Zinchenko role, that's he. He can't do it. Um, maybe in the summer we get rid of uh, Tierney and we get someone who can come inside. Who that player is, I don't know. But for some reason you have to kind of expect Tierney to not give you everything that Zinchenko does give you because they are two totally different players. The same way Rob Holding cannot give you what Saliba can give you. It's just not in his nature. So hmm. I guess that's something for um, Arteta to think about whether we need to change the way we play when we have different personnel on the pitch. 
So, you know, it's something for us to definitely think about. Um, Daniel, I want to touch on the game just a little bit more. So I'm going to talk about the controversial um, decisions. So I'm going to go around the panel quickly. So Danny, for you, was it handball by um, Declan Rice or not? Um, no. But then yes, again, the, the definition of handball, as we've seen, changes game to game. So yes and no, but uh, if I if he was playing for Arsenal in that situation, I'd have probably said that it would have been a little bit harsh. Yeah. Stan, do you think it was handball? I'm going to say, I, I can't say a definite yes or a no, but I would go with, I don't think it was because I've not really paid a lot of attention to it. And I did see somebody put it up on Twitter with a blurred image. And to me, I thought if that was, again, you know, if it was the other way around, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be so sure. So I don't think it was. No, I understand. What about you, Richard? Uh, I think it was a handball, but it's a, it's a tough one for the referee to spot in the in the live game. No, uh, I agree. No, I, I hear um, everyone. I, I, do you, th- do you think it was? Do you think it was handball? I don't, and the reason why I don't is I understand you, um, why people. If he, if you give me an argument of why it was, I would totally say, yeah, I kind of agree. And if you give me a reason why it wasn't, I would say I kind of agree. So I'm fifty-fifty, yeah. just like uh, Stan is. Um, it's. Because I do put on um, any decision that goes against us, I put on my Arsenal hat and I say, if that was against us, would I be angry? And I would. If that was Thomas Partey the other way around, I'd be like, it's not handball. Um, and I guess because there's different phases of play afterwards. And I know, I think the rule was if Rice had scored, then it may have been brought back and maybe looked at. But I don't think even I don't even think VAR looked at it. Because it was a um, second phase, so, to I understand it, I could be wrong. Um, but see, this, this is the whole fallacy of all VAR and all that nonsense. Because it, 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 against Man United, or right, it wasn't a handball; it was a foul. But that was like in a different phase when Martinelli scored, and they they fucking rewound that back, found the foul, and disallowed our goal. So that that's the thing that I find irritating with all these inconsistencies. But sorry, sorry. No, no, I agree. But remember, that's when they come out and said, oh, it was a mistake. I mean, too little, too late. But um, they come out and said it was a mistake. But yeah, no, Richard, I totally agree with you. Um, I mean, West Ham went on to score and I think, you know, it was harsh. Um, The penalty, again, so I'll go around the panel. So I'll stick with you, Richard. Um, Do you think it was a penalty? Whether it was soft or not, do you think it was a penalty? Uh, yes. Again, judging by the same thing, what you said, putting my Arsenal hat, if that was at the other end, I would have wanted a penalty. Same. Um, what about you, Stan? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, exactly that. Daniel? I have to be mad not to agree with them too. It's just, it, it's, we, we so easily blame VAR, but it's not VAR, it's the interpretation of VAR. Sometimes it is VAR, as you found out with, and I mean, even then it's not, is it? I mean, like Brentford, constantly <coughs> being done over. And we see in, in the Champions League, the way penalties have been given and not being given. It's just, if you can't make your mind up, and if you, if you, if you, if VAR was a bike and you kept falling off the bike, we'd take the bike off you, wouldn't we? That's what you need to do. If you can't use it properly, we're not using it anymore because so many times you can't celebrate a goal, Carl. And it, it, it infuriates me that I don't celebrate goals anymore. And if you do, you look like a tit when it's cancelled. Um, it's ruining it. And it's it's showing all the, how many years we had VAR for. Still, they still can't use it properly. Take it off them. How about you, Carl? 
Um, I get, again, it's not the VAR works. It's the users of it that doesn't work properly. Um, and you look at Brighton the other day, that was an absolutely atrocious uh, error. Like There's been so many errors in, in VAR, but it's not VAR itself because VAR works. The actual machine or everything that goes along with it works. It's the user's the human side of it that doesn't work, which is very, very silly. But yeah, I think it was a penalty. And my issue, and I'll come to Stan now, um, as much as I like Gabriel and I think he's a brilliant defender, he's always got, I, I always feel like he's got a mistake in him. I don't know why I like I, I, I trust him, but I just feel like there's always something that he just loses concentration just for a split second in every single game. Um, do you find this, or am I just making this? No, I'm completely with you. The word that I like to use for it is sometimes he's a bit rash. You know, he something happens and he makes a very rash decision. And it was all right in the old days. I say the old days, but you know when he used to make a rash decision and then go up the other end and score and put it right. You know, he's very good, he's very good at uh, making up for his mistakes, but he can be very rash. And. And and it tends to be that like, when he does make those rash decisions, it usually costs us because, you know, nine times out of ten, it ends up with him being withdrawn from the field. And now we've got to work a lot harder. But, I mean, yeah, I agree. This is something how, you know, sometimes you say that if you take, if you take some, sometimes they say, don't they, you take, you try and take things away from people's game and, and, it, and, it, and it changes them, you know. But I do like Gabrielle, but I do find that there are times when I, the word is that I find is sometimes why did you, why did you need to do that? You know there was no need for you to have done that, and now you've gone and cost us by being withdrawn or costing us a penalty or a free kick or whatever. There's a touch of the Mustafis yeah. about him far too often. I think it's because he's thick. You see Saliba talk, and you go, "There's an intelligent young man." You see Gabriel, and you just think he's the sort of bloke. If he wasn't being a footballer, he'd be a, he'd be a bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> Juno, <laughs> Saliba, incredibly intelligent, he reads the game so well. And I think maybe that's just something uh, not everyone's going to be a Martin Keogh and read the game like an absolute genius, eye or a Sol Campbell, where they they can they can read it with their eyes closed. But I just think I mean, he's yeah. a little bit, you, you ask, like, it's the kind of thing, like you said, have a little, like when Sean was naughty, I'd say when she was young, why did you do that? I don't know. If you don't know, then don't do it. And you ask him, why did you do that? And he'll go, I don't know, in Brazilian, no Portuguese. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, I think it's an intelligence thing, which is a shame because he's got everything else. I'm not intelligent. Shut up. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's just something he's gonna. Hopefully, he's gonna learn. But you compare Saliba and, and Gabriel together, and Saliba is miles ahead in every aspect of his game, isn't he? I mean, Saliba has these moments, but because he's got, I guess, good recovery pace. It makes up for it. I mean, not as much as not as many mistakes as Gabriel does. And I think he I think you almost you can almost expect once a game you're gonna get a Gabriel mistake. Um Richard Boyatendio um in the chat just said, is it him being a little bit jaded? Because hasn't he played every single game without fail this season? Do you think there's a little touch of him being a little bit tired as well? Um, yeah, can, can, can be, can be, you know, his, his, the way that he plays central defense is, is, is very different um, to Saliba um, where, you know, Saliba's the, the reader and um, Gabriel's the interceptor, you know, um, 
if, if you know if you was probably look, looking at them um let's say a, a pair that they're probably similar to a little bit in a bygone era safe like man united was you know rio ferdinand and 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 Vidic kind of thing you know you you've got and i i think that's i think generally in football that's very good you know you have that you have that that one who reads that game and and that other one that goes in and and wins the ball kind of thing you you know you have those two players you know i think he's played a lot of football because we we haven't had that natural left-footed centre-back, which Arteta likes to play until we bought Kivior. Um, and even then, you know, you know, to get him up, up to speed. Um, I, th- I think Gabriel has been actually very, very good this season. Um, I, I, I do see and agree with you guys' points about that, you know, that he has that rashness to him. And I think that's the nature of, of his aggressiveness and his assertiveness and mm. him having to take the lead as being, being that one that, that, you know, to get, to go and get the ball and win the ball and stuff like that. Um, I do think that his rashness and his, as Danny said, Mustafiness has been a lot less this um, this season. I, you know, touch wood, don't want to don't want to jinx it in the next couple of games, kind of thing. Um, you know, like it, it, the first half against against um, Salah I, I, in Liverpool, I thought the guy was absolutely outstanding um, for 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 a, a lot of that game. It was only really when when we changed it round and brought on Kivia that things went a little bit. Uh, the, little bit titzed up but um yeah I, I say I, I I like that partnership and you know it's no coincidence now that you've you've taken out that partnership of you know that reader and that aggressive play, person coupled with taking out Zinchenko you know we, our defense is not as watertight as it as it um as it has been for a lot of the season because I, I do think Gabriel has been one of our one of our better players all season yeah, I agree. I think he's he has been a good player. He just has a a moment of madness in him and you're almost scared because you don't know when it's going to come. But yeah, he's been an ever-present and he, I think this season he's grown. He's become a much better player and, you know, long may it continue because I think that partnership between Gabriel and Saliba, as long as Saliba signs a new contract, can sort of flourish and hopefully long may it continue because I think those two could be absolutely brilliant for Arsenal for many, many years to come because they're both extremely young. I think Gabriel was 24 and what Saliba was 21, 22. So yeah, they've got years ahead of them. Um, Danny, just want to finish off on the West Ham game. I want to talk about Arteta's substitutions. Um, we're chasing the game because it's 2-2. We need to score and he brings off Gabriel Jesus. Um, whereas, whereas I understand that, you know, he's just come back from an injury, needs to sort of get him in, take his time with him because of the reoccurrence of that injury. Do you understand why he took him off? Because we're chasing a game. He's ultimately our best attacker. Um, why do you think he does that? Do you think it's purely to protect him from his injury? I think if you're going to go anywhere and get an away win, it's going to be West Ham. They're not a good side. They're playing. They'd only played a few days before. We played on the Sunday and they played on the Thursday in Europe, and, and they did. I think they got a draw. And um, looking at the Liverpool game, they took in Jesus off after 80 minutes. In the West Ham game, they took him off after 67 minutes for 
for Trossard. Now, looking at the way the players were playing, I would have taken, if you're going to take anyone off, I'd have taken Saka off, played Trossard out there on the right. Martinelli got man of the match, according to whoscored.com. And Jesus was doing well. And as soon as he went off, I thought, oh, this isn't really going to be very good. And then uh, at 85 minutes, he took off Martinelli and brought on Reese Nelson. And then the weird one, why did he take off Erdegaard and put on Eddie after 90 minutes? Why didn't you do that at the same time? If you if you want to change the way we're going to play, and then Gab, uh, Jesus is on form at the moment, isn't he? got three goals in three games. And he didn't look tired. Do, do you um, think he got taken off because he was on a yellow? Possibly. Uh, what point did he get? He got he got the yellow at um, in the end of the first half, didn't he? Uh, I think he was getting a little bit wound up because nothing was really coming together. And I suppose the core of our team is Ramsdale, Gabriel, Party, Jesus. That's the the spine of our team at the moment. And with two of those being booked, and Ramsdale having having the game of his life, and Ga- and, and Gabriel not playing that brilliantly at times um, recently, um, maybe maybe that was personally. I'd have left Jesus on. I'd have left Martinelli on. And Saka, the one who had a terrible game, got a 6.1, is the one who played the full 90 minutes, Carl. So yeah, I thought that was very strange. I think there's yeah, even a shout. Like... I was just going to say, I think there's even Sorry, a shout yeah. that, you know, I think a lot of people have identified that Saka was the one that looked like he needed the rest. You know, why not try, why not move Jesus into that position and bring Trossard on in, in you know, through the middle? Because, you know, Jesus was very successful at Man City coming off of the right as well. You know, they went through that. They went through a season where he was playing more on the right than through the middle when Sergio Aguero had left and they were playing like a false nine through there. And he was still very productive. So there's, there's we do have the variety to change things around. And sometimes it's, it looks that Mikel Arteta was a little bit more rigid in his thinking. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I... Me personally, I would have taken off um, Jorginho. Sorry, I would have taken off Partey for Jorginho much earlier because Partey was having a, a shocker of a game. He he really was. He just he wasn't there in that game. Um, I would have taken off Saka, but for some reason he didn't. And kind of this is the game where you're chasing it. Um, you're going to leave your best striker on the pitch. Like you, you've got to. Um, I don't know if you thought you'd get a moment of magic from Saka and that's why he didn't take him off because um, I would have definitely, definitely brought him on, um, taking him off, sorry, and put on another player. So a player I want to talk about quickly, um, I'll go with you, Richard, is um, Smith Rowe. He doesn't seem to be getting any minutes at all. Not even five minutes here, 10 minutes here. Um, Should we be worried about Smith Rowe, or do you think Arteta is literally wrapping him up in cotton wool? I mean, because for me, you can't you can't protect someone that much. You've got to give them some time on the pitch. You've got to give them a run out of some sorts. But he's getting none whatsoever. Like I can't tell you, and hopefully Danny can look up the last time he even <clears> came on. I don't think he's been on the pitch. No, he did come on. He came on against looking at the uh, Bournemouth. Now. I think was Bournemouth, was it yeah. Bournemouth? He came no, on. And new sub, sub against West Ham, unused against Liverpool, came on for five minutes against Leeds, seven against Palace, none against Fulham, 47 minutes and got an assist. No, did he get an assist? Is that and that? I don't think it says he got an assist. Oh, yeah, against Bournemouth, yeah, it was a header. Yeah, and then uh, Everton, he played eight minutes and then he had one minute against Spurs on the 15th of January and then before that he was out for three months of an injury. So, yeah, he's only really had one decent chance. Richard, do you think 
I don't know to say this unthinkable, but do you think there's a point where he possibly could not be here next season because he's not getting as many minutes as we would hope? Possibly, possibly. There, there is, there is that. Um... There, there is that school of thought because just because how ruthless Mikel Arteta can be um, and it is, it, you know, I do find it very strange that he's he's not getting any minutes considering when Mikel Arteta first came into the job and, you know, he first brought um, Smithrow into the side against Chelsea he was like an ever present for, you know, he was like one of his go-to players. He was his go-to boy. Um, so it is, it is slightly concerned. concerning that he's, he's getting so little, but you know, I'm, I'm trying my best to be glass half full on this one. You know, like when, when Martinelli was out for a long-term injury, you know, he Martinelli wasn't getting many minutes to the point where people were saying, oh, you know, Arteta hates him. Arteta wants, he doesn't rate uh, Martinelli. He doesn't want him in the side. He's not picking him, you know, rah, 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 rah. And, you know, it, it turns out, no, he loved him. He was just building him up, building him up, building him, building him up behind the scenes. And, and then he exploded. And, and I'm hoping it's going to be more of, more of that. Um, because I think, as we've seen with Aubameyang, and I don't obviously don't think anything as destructive as that, but you know, like, and um, with Meza Özil, if if Mikel Arteta doesn't want you or doesn't rate you, you're not getting in that squad. You're being bumped off for the cup final for, you know, sixteen-year-old Matt Smith, you know, to take your 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 cup winners' medal instead. Like he he will have no qualms in in binning you off. Um, so. I'm going to stick with my glass half half full. I think I think he's protecting him. I think you know he obviously he brought him on, and he probably did a lot more work than you know he probably did it in that Bournemouth game, and then had to come off. I I I'm erring on the side that I I think it's more of a fitness thing. Um, I don't even I don't know if this is even something that Danny could even look up or or, or, or knows of. Is he even getting many minutes for like? Um, like you know, like the old under twenty ones or how under twenty threes, whatever it is. I was just looking that up as you said it. I'm just going to look in there last. Um, uh, Smith Rowe. Where is he on here? Because at the minute, it, minutes wise, it's it's almost scorched earth policy for him. You Did know, he play but in the game that um, I think he, him and Kivior played in a under twenty one game or under twenty three. I should say. Yeah, I think they played half, England, half the they? game each, didn't they? Yeah, he scored for England, didn't I mean, he? Yeah, yeah, he's yes. I'm just looking at the last few games. He's not even on the bench for them. I think he played most of that game as well for England. Yes, I don't think think it's a fitness thing with Emil Smith Rowe. Maybe Arteta is just protecting him. Um, I mean, you're kind of thinking that I know we we all said that we'd go really strong for Southampton, (laughs) but you're kind of hoping that if you know, touch wood that we are a couple goals up. Um, he does get a good 20 minutes run out because you don't really want, um, you don't really want someone like Saka playing the whole game. You want to kind of be able to take a 
couple of players off and rest them and rotate just a, just a little bit uh, to, just to see what other players can do as well because that's I think Arteta's problem is that he doesn't do you think that he doesn't trust a lot of players sorry Danny go ahead all right, yeah. Um, just as his on the transfer market anyway. All season, he's played one 45-minute game for the under-21s against Chelsea in central midfield, and they lost 1-0. That was the 27th of February, and that's all he's done for the... He's not been in the squads or on the bench for any other games. I do have a bit of a different theory about ESR. Um, when Mikel Arteta was asked about him recently, he said something along the lines of, it's not about what you did last year. It's about what you're doing today. It's about what you're doing t- tomorrow. And I think that tells me that in Mikel Arteta's mind, uh, ESR has fallen down in the pecking order. A lot of people have said, why can't he be tried in that left eight position where Xhaka plays? And why can't he be played as in these other positions? Mm. I think Mikel Arteta sees him as a left winger. I think that Martinelli is now ahead of him in that position. I think Trossard has come in and is now ahead of ESR as well. And if you even are looking at that left eight position, it seems to be Teabag who's the one Sorry, wrong show. It seems to be Vieira. <laughs> He's known as T-Bag on Arsenal fan circle. It seems to be Vieira that is getting that shout and being slotted into that position. So I think it's a case that he's just quite simply, at this moment in time, fallen down the pecking order. And it's up to him to try and work his way back into contention. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you have to wonder what's going on. You don't, go from nearly being picked every single game to, you know, and also coming on as a lot of substitutions a lot of time to just not getting hardly any minutes at all. So you have to wonder, is there something else going on there? And this is why I kind of asked the question whether the unthinkable, do you think that he could possibly be sold or loaned out next year? Um, I guess it's at the age where you don't want to loan him out. You kind of probably will sell him because he must have um, some sort of value to go to a club and I'm not too sure how many years he's got left on his contracts because didn't he sign a contract I want to say two years ago when he got the number 10 shirt or to three years ago when he got the number 10 shirt he signed a new contract so that curse again of um, the number 10 shirt a strike again right <laughs> after Jack no, Wilshere's uh, uh, <laughs> use of it yeah so you, you're kind of thinking I mean if you think if you're asking me outright whether I would keep him, 100%, I'd keep him. I would definitely keep him around because I think he's a good player and I think he's a player that can play in multiple positions and he do can help us. Like but perhaps sometimes, um, do you think that in Mikel Arteta's mind, he, maybe he thinks that where Arsenal are now in his uh, five-year plan, that we've kind of, Arsenal has outgrown players like Kieran Tierney and ESR, that they were good for us at a certain point but where we are now, we've now sort of like maybe moved a little bit further than that. And he wants something a bit different in those areas. And like what you just said about ESR playing in a number of positions, I don't think Mikel Arteta sees, that, sees him like that. I think he sees him more as just that one position. Because like you say, you know, if he's on the bench, someone like Trossard, for example, can play at left wing back. He can play uh, left wing, left day. He can play as a false nine and on the right. There's a lot of variety there so when you have a player like him on the bench you can gauge it a little bit and say okay whoever starts to maybe look a little bit off their game or jaded first I can slot him in in there and I'll know that when I put him in there I'm going to get something might get an assist might get a goal but I think that maybe he looks at ESR and sees him maybe just you know 
for one position only. And there's other players that he prefers ahead of him on that left-hand side. Yeah, there's definitely that. Um, if a manager sees you in one position and that's where he's going to home you in, then, yeah, you have to play that position. And if you don't like it, you have to kind of make it your own. And if he's not doing that, then Arteta's going to think, well, I want him to play. I want to play him there. He's not doing it. So why am I playing you? And I can, and, I, and I hear it and I can understand um, maybe Arteta's frustration at players not doing what he wants because ultimately he's the manager. So, you know, you have to do what he wants. If he tells you to track back, you have to track back. If he tells you to stay wide or come inside or whatever it is, you have to do that. And if he doesn't see that um, Smith Rowe is doing that, then unfortunately he's not going to be in the squad and so be it. Unfortunately, you're just not good enough or you're not going to be in his plans. Um, but I mean, that- but I mean, he was good enough last season. He was taking up those positions last season. He was, I know, uh, Stan, what you're saying with the, uh, with the, I'll take a quote and I agree with what he's saying in that, you know, last season was last season, this season, was last season, but it's, it's not like this season he's been rubbish or he's been, under par or not he's he's been injured for 90 yeah. percent of it he's not you know he's he's not been able to fail because he's not been able to perform and maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a thing of it you know that, that arteta feels that he can't trust um he can't trust esr's body to withstand you know the pressures of 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 playing every 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 three three days because I mean that's I think I think Arteta's quoted that but but on numerous occasions where you know he said we you know this team has got to get used to playing every three games three days because you know you've got you've got the chat you're going to be playing in the Champions League and you know I don't think ESR is robust enough to really play in that um that um that left eight. Uh, role really against against the side you know excuse me against the top side so but I just it's it's a strange one with with ESR but I just my glimmer of hope which I'm like saying I'm I'm trying to remain positive is the fact there's those parallels that I saw with when Martinelli was coming back from his injury and the fact that he he didn't really use Martinelli all that much at all, and like I said, so much to the point that I think people were were wondering if Arteta had it in for for for, for little Gabby. He's played 114 Premier League minutes all season, the ESR, and 148 minutes in all competitions, not including the Premier League two. Not good, is it? But I agree with what Stan was saying. Um, looking back at Arsenal history, Perry Groves, Remy Gard, Jules Gramandi, Matty Flamini, they were all victims of their adaptability. So none of them only ever really played when they were covering for other people, playing in all those different positions. And there may have been one or two others as well. But then you've got uh, Smith Rowe who can play in all of those front positions. So maybe he's a, he's a, a master of uh, master of none. Um, Jack of all trades, master of none, I think, is, is the same. But look how many times, I think Richard was saying, how many times last season he came on and saved us or coming on and scoring goals and, and doing stuff like that. I don't think anybody, um, his, his contract runs out in 2026, Carl, I had to look at that. But I don't think Arteta would ever let him go because that player like that is gold dust. You get anyone outside the top four and he'd be starting every single game in whatever position that he wants to for any other Premier League side. He's that good, that adaptable. And he's got goals, he's got assists. He's, he's a wonderful player. But, I mean, he's just a modern-day Paul Merson, isn't he? I love watching him play. I always yeah, thought that, I mean, you know, he was he was going to be cover. 
you know, for Odegaard in that position. Same. You know, more sort of centrally than out on the wings. But then, then we bought Vieira, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, and Vieira seems to be doing that job. Yeah. I think next season we are going to need a better squad. Obviously, we're going to have Champions League football next season and we are going to have to maybe rotate a little bit more because we will be playing, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday slash Sunday, depending on what the games on TV or not. And I believe, is it next year that the Champions League format is changing? That is not going to be... Oh, okay. So, same. So, yeah, we are going to have to be fine. Yeah, 24 teams. Yeah, which is very, very weird. Have you Um, played that in Championship Manager, Carl? Because I've never got that far. Yes, I have. And it's very weird. It's which is weird because you play almost everybody, um, and for me, I don't see I don't see how it works in real life because you could be playing I don't know, flipping Ghent one minute and then you're going to bar away to Barcelona, then at home to Bayern Munich, and then I think the thing is you don't play anyone in your country still, but you just play everyone else. It just is it's a very weird format, but. Uh, we'll see what happens. It's all made up just for flipping. Um, mm-hmm. it's a modern day super league. Let's be honest with you, they didn't want to break it, they didn't want the teams breaking away from the super league, so the UEFA made up their own one. So, so does it after the group stage, does it then go to the quarterfinals or the semi finals or another group? You have, stage? A, you have a group, you have the top eight go through, then you have a playoff, and then it goes through to the uh quarter semis and all the rest of it. It's yeah, it's a, it's a very, very weird format. Um, yeah, um, Danny, I want to touch on the Southampton game very, very quickly before we go into some questions. So, you know, I've seen a lot of people in the chat talk about how we possibly could be playing the same team that we played against West Ham. I personally wouldn't be adverse to it. Um, Southampton, although they're, I think they're 19th, I don't know if they're rock bottom yet, but I know they're 19th. We struggle against Southampton. We never sort of put Southampton to the sword all the time because they do have some decent players and we then we draw 1-1 at their place. I mean, I remember there was a lot of fouls in that game and I remember there was a penalty shout for Jesus that didn't happen. I just remember a lot of VAR calls that didn't go our way. Um, would you, if you was Arteta, go strong against Southampton or would you rotate a little bit? Uh gonna have to go strong that's the whole point of not being in Europe at this stage of the season playing one game a week you can afford to go and play your best players looking at their away Premier League form they lost 1-0 at West Ham 0-0 Man United lost 1-0 at Leeds that was only 25th of February then they beat Chelsea went to Chelsea 1-1-0 lost 3-0 uh-huh. away at Brentford and then they beat Everton 2-1 and they lost to Fulham Liverpool and Palace so I mean if you look at their last Five away Premier League games, they've only scored one. That was the winner against Chelsea. That's it. So I don't think they're much to worry about. But like we were saying earlier in the games where we've gone 2-0 up, complacency. We can, can't. And taking your foot off of the um, metaphorical pedal, don't. Don't do that. Go out there. If you're one, two, three, until you're three or four nil up, don't stop. And, and take time when you're having your shots because we've seen so many fluffed chances and people need to calm down. Whereas um, Zinchenko is almost definitely going to come back in, isn't he? Because the, um, the the job that he does in, in central midfield and covering everywhere. But it's uh, it's just so important that we get another win because if we manage to get a draw, I mean, I can't see him beating us, but if we, if we get another draw against them, oh, I don't think we're going to be able to win the league. 
I mean, second's brilliant, but it's it's uh, it's not going to be good enough. We need to we, we need to win every single game for the rest of the season. We can't have any more draws. And I think we should go. We need a team that we're going to smash and keep a clean sheet and then give the players some self-belief in, in the manager and themselves and their ability in our title char- um, challenge. Because, yeah, oh, here we go. Arsenio Wonga, Theo Walcott to score for the Arsenal. <laughs> Richard, <laughs> do you think that the players may have one eye on the Man City game when we play Southampton? You know, not going into challenges, you know, pulling out, not going to 50-50s. Do you think that's uh, a thing that could happen? I hope not. Um, and and I, I kind of don't think so. I think I think in, in the Liverpool game and even the West Ham game, although in the Porter, we've started really, really brightly and we've started really well and aggressively and on the front foot. So I'm 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 hoping not, and I, and I'm hoping the Arsenal crowd don't let them get that way. You know, I, I think that the 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 support at the stadium has been absolutely fantastic all season and, and the season before, to be fair, it's been last couple of seasons, been absolutely phenomenal. So hopefully, um, uh, I, can't, I can't remember which, which Twitter um, fan action group it is. Is it Arsenal red action or something like that, but they always start the tweet with uh, and bring your dinner. Uh, hopefully the Arsenal fans bring their dinner to the to the Emirates on Friday, and they absolutely don't let the don't let the players get complacent. Don't let the players, um, uh, you know, they think that they're they're really big bollocks, and 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 we actually go for the go for Southampton's throat, and 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 we we get that goal difference up. You know, we, there's a time flicks and tricks and and back heels and um, and multiple wall passes and this title run up now is not it. It's time to be ruthless. It's time to to absolutely step on Southampton's throat and win the game and win it convincingly. Like Danny said, get three three or four, then you can then you can 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 you know kick up this kick off your shoes and and put your feet up. But um until then we need to be absolutely ruthless. And I, I'm fairly certain that that is the message that the Mick well not that exact message, but a, a similar sort of message that Mikel Arteta is going to be absolutely trying to ram through to those players with whatever sort of diagram or light bulb or Rambo switchblade he's got in his fucking locker this week. Um but yeah it's just, the, the the key word for me is ruthless. Get Stuart McFarland in. Team talk. That's what we need. Exactly. It's our fucking Arsenal. My Arsenal. What a man. Wonderful. Stan, I want to... Um, something that I think Danny said was about getting a clean sheet. Um, although, you know, we look at all the great saves that Aaron Ramsdale's made, he hasn't kept a clean sheet, I think, since Fulham. Um, and we, we are... Since the World Cup, we have conceded a lot of goals. Um, we may have still won games, but we've conceded quite a few goals. Um, you know, for all the highlight reels of Aaron Ramsdale, do you see a little bit of a drop-off, the fact that we're conceding so many goals? And this is even with Saliba in the team, we were still conceding goals. What do you think the reason is the drop-off after since the World Cup of Arsenal just conceding goals? <sighs> Our back four has been uh, quite bad at home, I think. Although we've been winning games, keeping clean sheets at home has been a big problem for us this season. 
And again, I, is it because we have a left back that likes to wander off into the midfield? And I know that we we were talking earlier about how how great it is for you know Zinchenko helping out in the midfield. But I am one of those adages that you know I want my defenders to be able to defend first. If they can mm-hmm. get themselves up up the pitch and assist and do other things, for me that's a bonus. But they must be able to defend first, and it does show that we do have a leaky back four. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale, as much as um, you know, I love having him in the team, he never looks to me that he's ever going to save a penalty to me. I mean, that's <laughs> something that he needs to work on. But we have to remember, you know, in the lifespan of a goalkeeper, he's pretty young. He's, he's, he's yes. very young. And he's nailing down a number one place in a team that's at the top of the league. So, you know, you have to take your hat off to him in, in, in some respects. But... You're right. The leaky, the the leaky goals that we le- we're letting out of the back, that needs to be worked on, and you know it needs to be worked on to the end of the season and going into the preseason for next season, mm-hmm. because that's something that you can't maintain. We can't constantly be letting other teams score two and expecting us to go out and score three or four. We've got to take care of our business at the uh, in the defensive area first and foremost. No, I, I definitely agree. I was just quickly looking back on the results. And, you know, if we go back to um, post-World Cup, we hardly conceded goals. But sort of after the World Cup, since January, um, you know, we lost one. It's more at home, right, than away. Yeah, I mean, we lost one to Everton, um, you know, 1-1 against Brentford. We lost 3-1 at home to Man City. You know, we conceded two away to Aston Villa. We beat... Um, Leicester City away, we beat Everton at home, and then like, we conceded two goals against Bournemouth, uh, 2-2 against Sporting, we beat Katie against Fulham, 1-1 against Sporting, we conceded one against Crystal Palace, albeit we scored four, conceded one goal against um, Leeds, albeit we scored four, conceded two against West Ham and also Liverpool. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm all for, you know, Aaron Ramsdale, brilliant, you know, he's got a brilliant highlight reel, but give me a, a standard 1-0 win and I'm happy just not conceding a goal. Like, And I think we have got a leaky back four and that is something we definitely have to work on. I don't know if it's a change of personnel. I don't know if it's something to do with Zinchenko wandering into the midfield. I don't know what it is um, at the moment. It's not going to get better, right? Because our back four now, I would say, is kind of a little bit makeshift, right? One of our key players is out in Saliba. And then on the right-hand side, you know, we, there's no respite now for, for Ben White. You know, he has to keep going because there's nobody else that see, that, that we've got that can can fit in there. And we've even seen Mikel Arteta experiment by trying to pop Thomas Partey in there. So you know, we're having a leaky back four with our preferred back four. It's the, you know... We have to be, we have to be double secure now because we don't we don't have everybody that we want in there. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree. It's just, yeah, we have to stop this, stop this rut because at the moment we are in a rut and we go forward to Man City, who I've got a, a striker who is very, very scary and something that we've got to definitely look out for, um, Richard. I I want to touch just very, very briefly on the Man City game. I mean, they play... I mean, I'm going to put this in... Um, I, I meant to send this to Danny and I completely forgot. But I've got a graphic that shows the amount of games that Man City have to play until we play. So, on Friday, we play Southampton. Uh, Man City play 
Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Then we play each other. That's on the 29th of April, which is a key game, I think. Do you think that if we don't get something from that Man City game, then the title charge is over? Uh, yes, unfortunately. Um, oh my goodness, I'm not going to see that. Um, yeah, I, I I think we we need we need to not lose at um, at City. Um, I think that swing will will, will will be will be too big. When when do we play them? And they um, I'm trying to look at that thing is a bloody princess on my little tiny phone. We play um, them on the twenty um, sixth of April, and then they play away to Fulham on the thirtieth of April, and we don't play until the second of May at home to Chelsea. Mm. Um, so they sort of got two games before we play. Then they uh, go away. They play at home to West Ham. We go away to Newcastle. And then they've got Leeds at home, Real Madrid away, uh, Everton away, and then Real Madrid again uh, at home. So they've got some, you know, as much as, you know, Man City have got a good squad and, and a big squad, they've got to play a few, far few games in late April, early May. And especially if they... Um, and they still got to play, I think, the Brighton game, and that's rumoured to be... I think around the 22nd or 23rd of May or maybe the 24th, I think it was. So, you know, they've got to fit in a few games first. I don't think, I know this, this juggernaut of Man City and we're all scared. I think they're going to drop some points. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Everton or, or Brentford um, or even Brighton at home can, can, um, can do us a favour. Um, you know, because th- there has been, you know, the occasional um, slip up from them. You know, you you, you think about the Nottingham Forest game and stuff like that. Um, I, I I don't I don't think that the fixture congestion will hurt them that much, just because their squad is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, you 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 take out Rodri, you got a Gundogan. You take out um, you take out uh, Grealish, you've got a Phil Foden. You know, you take out um, Harland, you've got a Julian Alvarez. You take out um, uh, you know, one of the defenders, you got Ake, you got John Stones, you've got uh, Diaz. It's, it's that squad is just absolutely. You know, relentless. You you cut the, you cut their squad in half. Their two 11s in half. Both of them are challenging for the title, or at least you know in t- in top floor. By they they're getting any injuries. Um. So and that's the thing. It's it's so frustrating that you know we've had to be nigh on perfect all season, and we're still in the position where you know we're looking over our shoulder at the T one thousand, absolutely sprinting <laughs> after us, um, to take us down. You know. <laughs> It's um it's so frustrating. I'm I'm hoping that we can we can at least get a point um at um at the at the Etihad and the other the other one that I have a you know a, a, a worry over is obviously is excuse me some changes park but you know it's it's hey look you know in in '89 we lost to to Derby and we drew against Wimbledon and we had to do it all against um against Liverpool so. Maybe maybe it'll be the second coming of that. I don't know. It's um, I'm fingers crossed, but I, I think we I think we need to not lose that game at Man City. No, I definitely agree. Um, I think we have to take uh, a point. I'm sure that Arteta's got some 
magical game plan uh, for them because I remember last time played in the FA Cup, he went man for man marking and I don't think Man City were expecting that. And I think even Pep after the game was saying, I did not expect that to go man for man marking. Um, Stan, I wanted to talk about Saliba just really, really quickly before we take questions. Now, um, Arteta's press conference yesterday did not make for good listening. Um, I was reading the transcript from Simon Collins um, and he was saying that, I think Arteta usually keeps his claws very close to his chest. He never really comes out about injuries. Uh, He doesn't really say much, but this one he did. He actually said that uh, Saliba's not progressing as well as we would like, uh, as, as we hoped. And I think that makes a worry in this in that I don't know if he'd be back this season. I mean, there's the eight old adage of ped him up, um, inject his back with the strongest painkillers you can. Uh, you know, this season's pretty much a write-off. Um, we've got to go all all for it this season, but you don't know what damage that could cause along down the line. Um would you risk an 80% Saliba? for a 100% Rob Holding against Man City? No, and I'll tell you the reason why. I suffer from back pains quite a lot. I have done most of my life and also with my neck as well. And it's a very it's a very unique pain to have because you can have a pain in your back which also causes you to have pains going down the backs of your legs, down your sciatic nerve. So you've got a back problem but you can't walk properly or I tend to, I've got it the other way now where I'm having problems with my back and it's causing me to have pains coming down the side of my right arm and around my elbow. And it's like an excruciating pain. So I can get it. If he's got something like that going on, it would be very difficult for him to play a game of football. I find it difficult just to hobble off down to the off license to replenish the fridge when I'm in that state, let alone playing top flight football. So no, I wouldn't risk it at all. It's something that needs to be healed. And they were talking about maybe having surgery, which was a bit baffling to me because then I'm thinking, well, this must be something more than muscles. You know, he has, you know, usually if you've got inflamed muscles or inflamed nerves, that's usually tablets and creams and, you know, physiotherapy, but not an operation. So it must be quite severe what he has. And as I say, if he's having problems in his neck, he could be having problems in his legs as well, where it's it's painful, it's painful to even walk because your sciatic nerve is the longest nerve in your body. It goes all the way through. You can get pains in your arms as well. So I wouldn't risk it. There's no point in, you know, like we saw when we've rushed players back in the past, and I think it was Thomas Parker that comes to mind, and then they break down in the middle of a game, and then you've got to sort of like prop Spurs, everything up. I would rather that they train during the week for what it is that they've got to do at the weekend rather than risking Saliba and then having to throw in a, a, a Rob Holding if it all breaks down and the mood dropping and the tempo dropping, if you know what I mean. No, I agree. Um, Dan, um, Danny, just to let you know, Man United are losing 3-0 away to Sevilla. <laughs> and uh, Slabhead has made yet another error. Yes, uh, that's uh, the second uh, one he's made. Um, uh, aren't Sevilla like almost getting relegated? Aren't they like bottom of La Liga as well? Yeah, they're not. Sevilla are thirteenth. Um, they've had they've had uh, seven points in the last three games. But before that, uh, them and Valencia looked like they were going to go down. Oh, brilliant, uh, Danny. Do you think that we will see Saliba again this season? Um. I, I, we've got no choice if he's 
Are we do, do players have cortisone injections anymore? They're not. Was that being banned? Or is it don't know, like, did, didn't they used to get the old Van Persie horse, horse placenta? <laughs> Maybe we need to get Nasri on the line and then get him to come and sort out <laughs> his, his man and see if he can do something. Get a witch doctor or or a soothsayer or something like that. We're we looking for my hair bottle. Oh, I see. Interrupt me for that, you tit. Um, we can't go the rest of the season. Tommy Ashley's out. He's not going to play again this season. And we can't afford to move Ben White into centre-back. I mean, I love Holding. Holding is is a substitute player at best. I mean, somebody said that he was... Um, he, he could, the only deep play would be decent next season if he played for a team that just got promoted from the Championship. I thought that was a hell of a lot of disrespect for someone like, uh, like Bob Holding, who's still only, what, 26, 27? He's still a decent player. But you can't come in after playing, what, eight minutes all season in the Premier League, then play four back-to-back games and be on your game. Um, I think Bob, Big Bob can do it, but if Saliba, there's any chance that Saliba can manage to get him to play, then because uh, just tell him don't do all the running, just stay there and read the game. Like someone who's 36, you don't have to do all the running in the game. You can get your partner to go and do all the running, but do it. Then you've got to think: if we do play him, are we risking him for next season? And then next season, is, are we going to have? Are we going to be in the same position next season? A chance of winning the league? I'm not sure we are. I think maybe we we do try and get him back as soon as possible, or play Ben there. And who can we play at right back though? We can can Tierney play right back. What Tierney right back or Zinchenko right back, and then put yeah. either or the other side. I mean, Bob, Big Bob hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't got the partnership with Gabriel. And I think maybe that's why we're seeing mistakes from the pair of them because that's something that that takes on. I mean, it's the only time we've not seen that is the. The Chelsea Cup final when Big Per and Big Bob came in together, never having to play it again. They didn't even know who each other were and had the games of their life. But that is so rare. I don't think it's going to happen. But hopefully we are going to see him because because we need him. Because we are one more injury to that back four and we're knackered. We don't have anybody I mean, to bring in. Holding yeah, doesn't do. have the pace. That's the problem. Holding doesn't have the pace. So he can't play as high as, say, Saliba, uh, Saliba can. Because, yeah, because yeah, he, well, because he can't, because if he tries to, to nip in, he's, he's not as sophisticated enough. He'll just clean people out and give away fouls. And if they do beat him to the ball, he's absolutely fucked. Run, excuse my language. He's knackered <laughs> um, running the other way and going, getting in behind him. And then if he does try to play too high we just and it was something that they kept on teams kept on doing to Saliba but Saliba had the recovery brace to tell about was playing that diagonal ball over his head and and and, and putting the ball in behind him that's his issue but I mean fair play to Bob Big Bob Holding he's not a first choice as I think Stan said something about earlier about you know we've evolved past some of the players and stuff. Mm. Like, have we evolved past thing? We've evolved past uh, you know Bob Holding kind of thing, yeah. uh, you know. But he's for a second string defender, he's better than most. Yeah, and I, I would I, I agree with Stan. I agree with you guys. I I would rather play Holding than try to to drop a non fit Saliba into that slot. It all getting fucked up, and and do you remember when Saliba he got injured? I think in uh, uh, he came back from an injury in the, uh, some point during the season, and he was awful for for like the first two games or so because he just he didn't have that rhythm or anything. So yeah, no, no, no I agree with about, Stan completely. How about Kivior? I was that was just going to say that. So um, I know this is Adol Adich, but we don't play two left footed centre backs together. But we'd always we'd always play two right-footed centre-backs. Um, 
If so what is Jimmy I'm glad you raised that because I was talking about that. Is that like an old wives' tale? Because we've seen many teams be successful with two right-footed. Well, why can't we play two left-footed? Is that? I mean, what happens? Is yeah, like the it's world just one of the, it's, it's literally, you know, left-footed players are never trusted, and I think that's what it is. I don't know why you don't you would never play two right-footed, so two left-footed centre backs. I don't see. If you're going to play two right-footed centre-backs, you can easily play two left-footed centre-backs. I think why I like left-footed centre-backs because of the angles of playing certain balls. You don't always have to check in and back into your right foot and then you can play balls differently. For me, I we haven't seen Kivior properly. We've seen him shoehorned into, I think, the Liverpool game, which... I didn't understand substitution at all, but that's an Arteta thing. We saw him against uh, Sporting in the first game and he didn't have the best game, you know, um, and that was his debut. So you can you can excuse that because he was obviously a little bit hyped and, you know, he was um, probably a little bit excited. So I can understand that. You need to give him a run of games uh, or need to give him a game. You know, the fact that we're not in the Europa League no more, we don't have any cup competitions, we're not going to see him probably this season in the slightest. But, you know, I think when he first was signed, wasn't he able to play in a number of positions? He could play centre-back, he could play defensive midfielder, he could play... So go on, Danny. Transfer market says he can play right-back and left-centre-back, can also play little circle left-back and little circle defensive midfielder. He's uh, he's only 23, six-foot-two, left-footed, um, I'm just going to go and see uh, what positions he's played in this. Are you interested in what positions he's played this season when he was at um, the other team in Italy? Spezia. Yeah, go on. Yeah, he's played 21 games at centre-back, one at DM and one at left midfield. Hmm. Well, the, the, the last game he played for Liverpool sent my blood pressure fucking sky high uh, when he went charging out and fucking got nothing. Um, I think I think um, Danny's uh, sorry. Um, Carl's right. That that thing where you've got um, you've got that left-footed uh, centre half on the left side. When you got when someone plays you that ball, your first touch is going to be away from the middle of the park. It's going to be across your body. You're not checking in, and I think that's why that you know you think of how of how reluctant Arteta is to play a right-footed centre-back on that right-hand side. I can't see him playing a left-footed on the right. I really, really can't. But if yeah, you can play right-back, so maybe that's an answer. If he's if he's desperate, then he can play... Um, I mean, we did all last season with Gabriel and uh, Ben White as centre-back, and I think they did all right. Yeah, I mean, um, he Kivior plays right-back for Poland, I think someone said in the chat, um, Avon. So... If he does that for Poland and does it well, then you know it's an opportunity to maybe play Ben White at right back and then give your centre back. Sorry, play Ben White centre back and give your right back. But I don't know if Arteta will mix it up that much. I think he will see don't want really to get Ben White out of his rhythm. Ben White is a right back um, at the moment, so he'll play Ben White at right back uh, because obviously he's got that partnership with um, Saka. And mm. to just bring in Kivior at right back or a another, whether it be um, Zinchenko or Tierney, they're not going to have that um, relationship with Saka, who you know who does the overlapping run, you know, on the lap and that. So 
I think it's a, it's a lot to ask for any player to come in at that time. I think, you know, getting any injury at the business end of the season is hard. It really is. And, you know, there's no recovery time. You know, we're not going to get... Um, we're not going to get Saliba back, I don't think, for the rest of the season. We're not going to get Tommy Asu back for the rest of the season. Mm. And I guess it just goes to see whether we dip into the transfer market. I mean, no one needs three right-backs. So, you know, it's not like we've got a shortage of right back. We do have two very good right-backs. It just seems happens that one of them is injured at the moment. We have good centre-backs. It just happens that one of them is injured at the moment and the replacement is not up to the standard of our starting um, centre-back. So, you know, like you said, I think Richard mentioned it, there's a, a, a drop-off to where we where we are to or where where Arteta thinks we are because we're ahead and the players that we have now doesn't fit that matrix of standard that he wants. So you know I can see big Popolding leaving in the summer, my personal opinion, because we are at a different level at the moment. Mm-hmm. Can Big Popolding play in the Champions League against one of the elite clubs? <clears throat> Probably not. So I think he knows he's about fifth choice, isn't he? With now the yes. there. So you need somebody to come in and, you know, fight. And there's still the Saliba. Um, Saliba still hasn't signed a new contract. And I think a lot of people seem to forgetting, seem to be forgetting that. So I'm not saying I'm, Saliba's going to leave, but, you know, it comes to the point where if Saliba's not signing, we have to cash in on him. We can't let him walk away for free. And if we can get 30, 40, 50 million for Saliba, because that's his market value at the moment, do we take that or risk him walking away for free? Because I know what I would rather do. As If he's not giving any attention of signing the contract, if you're putting the contract in front of him and saying, do you want to sign this contract? And he's um and R in. At a certain point, you've got to say, look, sign it or we're going to have to sell you. And he's going to have no shortage of takers. And I'm not saying I want Saliba to leave. I want him to stay. I want him to sign a new contract. But I think he's only got one more year left in his contract. So we are playing a very dangerous game with him completely because, yeah, at his market value, we could get at least 50 million for him. So I think that's one to watch for the summer as well, uh, just in case. But that's enough from us. Danny, let's do some listeners' questions. Let's give it a wiggle. Uh, firstly, uh, happy uh, St. Day, everybody. People have said it's not because if they win all their games, we lose all of our games. There'll be 11 on points of us. That's not going to happen, and we are 31 goal difference ahead of us. So they, they'd have to win all of theirs, and they'd have to win every game 4-0, three-and-a-half to 4-0. So that's not going to happen. So I'm saying happy uh, St. Totteringham's Day, because uh, Deke got a bit of grief in the chat during the show, saying it's not, it's not. Well, it is. No, it's not going to not happen, people. You have to believe. Uh, so here we go. If you've got any more questions, I'll still check as I'm reading this out. First of all, um, ah, Carl from Avon. Do we keep Thomas Party in the summer? It depends on who we get in. If we can get better replacement for him, I mean Thomas Partey is a very good player, and I think it, there's a lot of factors of whether we keep Thomas Partey in the summer. Um, outside sources, we all know what's been said. I think that will be a contributing factor of what happens with that. Um, if we can get a a Declan Rice, a, a, a another, 
you know, who knows what we do with Thomas Partey. Um, I don't feel like, I don't feel like we should, we need to get rid of him. But at the same time, if we can get an upgrade on Thomas Partey, someone a bit younger, someone a little bit better, then by all means, um, let's cash on him and get someone um, who's better than Partey and can play a period of games without being injury prone. Because I can't remember a period of time where Declan Rice has been injured. I mean, you know, this is the, but I say the same thing about Thomas Partey. Didn't he play for Atletico and never get injured? And all of a sudden he's come to Arsenal and there's a quote unquote injury prone. So I don't know what's happening there. Yeah, when, when Partey was at um, Atletico, 46, 42, 50 was the last three seasons before he um, before he came to us. But like, um, who is it really says in the chat, Thomas Party staying or leaving depends more on his off-field issues. And that's fine. Yeah. We'll have to go into that. Um, right, next question. I'm going to give it to get rid of that one. Uh, okay, Stan. From Arsenio Wonga. Bearing... Barring the City game, which I think we will lose, which games do you guys believe we will get three points from? Which games we could drop points and which games could be a draw? Well, at the end of that, do we need to win every single one? That's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Because, you know, you've you've got that saying, well, on paper, well, on paper, we Mm -hmm. should have beat Everton. You know, and on paper, we should have beat West Ham. It's it's extremely hard to call and go down a list and say, well, we get the three points there. That one might be a draw. You know, it's important that we just try and keep a, a, a winning run together now because the last two games, I think that we've dropped points and we need to get rid of that. We need to get rid of that feeling and get back into a winning mentality. It's most important that we do that at with Southampton. But like we mentioned earlier, they're a hard one to call, aren't they, Southampton? They're a little bit like that box of chocolates that Forrest Gump goes on about. You never know what one you're going to get because they're a, t- mm-hmm. they're a team that you can see them get their absolute arses kicked one week and then the following week they can go up and play a team where on paper they shouldn't get anything out of it and they can put them to the sword. And we've had a few troubles, haven't we, over the over the past few seasons with Southampton. So it's not a game that I'm going to be going into taking lightly, especially on the back of the points dropped over the last two games. So very difficult. I mean, at some point, someone's probably going to ask me for my my match predictions for the next game. I'm I'm, I'm just going to pull a number out of the air. You know, Mm -hmm. do I go with my head or my heart? Because it's so... Where we are in our season now, it's very, very hard to start calling, you know, uh, match predictions and where we're going to finish um, Carl, are you going to do predictions? Because you said make this a bit of a preview as well. Are you can do some predictions for the game at the end of the show. I will. Okay, lovely. Right, Richard. Question for you um, from Phil Macker. Uh, will draw? Will a draw at City be enough for us to win the Premier League? Um, no, I don't. Don't think it will be enough. It, was, it, it and, and that's not going to be the only game kind of thing. But so. I, we need to, as I said before, we need to not lose that game. Um, but I don't think a, a draw will be enough per se, because let's say you've got other games, you know, like St James's Park and stuff like that. You know, there's still there's still there's still going to be a few twists in the road before before we get to the end destination of this um, of this league season. So um, it's a bit of a cop out answer, but it, 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 yes and no, really. I'd better. No, I don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be enough. Not not in the whole grand scheme of things. I think it'll be, it'll be, 
it will be a good point per se in the sense of like you know like like the Liverpool thing was a was a good point but I still think there's there's more to be done than just the um than just that Man City game you know so it'd be no good if we draw there and then fucking stuff it up at um uh, Forest or Southampton on Friday or you know St James's Park so we 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 need to be on it we need to be ruthless Good. Uh, new name here, Tim Merrick. You've got, I was going to save your question for last, but I don't want you to think that we uh, you sent a question we didn't ask. It usually I do them in order. But Carl, um, all of you want your answer on this. Tim Merrick says, I know it's really early to ask, what is your realistic goal for next season? So I'd like you to do Premier League, FA Cup, League Cup, Champions League. And, and Charity Shield, because we're going to win the league. <laughs> um, I think we need a trophy uh, very, very soon. You know, we won the FA Cup in 2020. I think we definitely need a trophy. I think he threw away... I think we definitely threw away some of the games. Um, You know, the FA Cup we threw... Not, we didn't throw away the FA Cup because we played Man City. And, you know, to go away to Man City is very hard. Uh, the League Cup, I felt like he definitely did because we lost to Brighton, didn't we? So I think some sort of trophy we need. So I'm going to say top four again for the league because I think a lot of teams will improve and if Man United do get taken over they're going to spend billions like literally on their squad they're going to spend sh- they're going to spend stupid amounts of money and um, Chelsea well they'll be in the championship hopefully after they get relegated so I'm going to say top four for the league I'm going to say depend obviously depending who you draw at least semis for the FA Cup League Cup I think he needs to take a little bit serious because we need a trophy and Champions League. I'll be honest, I think it's too early for the Champions League. So as long as we make it out of our group, I'll be very happy. Uh, Stan, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think a, a top four finish should be within our grasp. I mean, depending on how we do this season, I've always said that it's a really good team that wins the league, but it's a great team that can do it back to back. And that's something that I've never seen Arsenal do is to win a league and then follow it up the following season and win it again. So in order to fight on four fronts next next season, we're going to have to recruit a lot more people so that we don't have to field our best 11 in, in Caribou Cup games, that we can use that competition to bring some of the younger players through, which we haven't really been able to do uh, you know, this season and us to some extent last season as well because we've had such a, a small squad. Um how are we going to do in the Champions League? I'd like to think that we can get out of the groups. Caribou Cup, I'd like to, th- I'd like us to win that. And the FA Cup, I'd like us to win that. I mean, okay, fuck it. Let's the quadruple. We're going to win all of it, everything, <laughs> including the Charity Shield and the World Super Club Cup as well. Excellent, Richard. Um. Do you want to know what Stan's been smoking, or are you going to go on? Yeah, absolutely, (laughs) definitely. Um, I'd like us to um, say challenge, get top four, and challenge for the title. I think it's going to be very, very difficult. As I echo what the lads have saying, you know, you're going to have Newcastle spending a spending a pot. You're going to be fucking Man United spending another, you know, uh, load of money on on. 
fridges and stuff like that. And you're going to see, you're going to have Chelsea spending another billion on eight year contracts. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be even, even harder again next season. Um, I'd like us to win the FA Cup. I love the FA Cup. Um, I'd lo- you know, I, I love the fact that we got the record in the FA Cup. I'd like us to e- extend that. Um, you know, I'd like us to, to, to have a, a, a good deep run in, in the League Cup with our youngsters. You know, back under the Wenger years, I, I used to love watching the League Cup because that was where you got a glimpse of the future. You yes. know, you 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 you, you, you know, you, you see Fabregas's and, you know, your Alieriers and all that sort of malarkey. Um, even if some of them didn't make it, like your Fram readers, I was so certain that guy was going to be the one. Um, Crowley. Super, super Dan Crowley. Um, <laughs> Champions League, I'd like us to try and maybe get quarterfinals. I, I agree with Carl 100%. I think it's going to be too early. And I agree with Stan 100%. Uh, you know, we're going to need a much bigger squad. You know, you know, we're going to need a bigger boat um, come next season. Um, so, yeah, so just uh, for me, just improvement, just, you know, as long as our trajectory is consistently going up, it doesn't have to, you know, be as skyrocketed as, as, as this year has been. But just, uh, we, you know, we may we, we keep going in an upward trajectory. That will be, you know, happy for me because, you know, we're, we're up against state banked you know, clubs, you know, nation backed clubs, you know, so we're always going to be swimming against the tide. So it's, it's always going to be difficult for us. I mean, you know, talk about poor mouthing, you know, we, we've got a billionaire owner as well kind of thing, but um, uh, it's, it's so as long as we're improving, I'll be, I'll be happy. I agree with most that. I think realistically top four, we, we're not ever going to get a chance to win the title again until uh, until Man City get done for all their illegal corruption. And hopefully what's happening to Chelsea will happen to them, but I can't see it. Um, FA Cup, maybe we could have a go at winning that. League Cup, I don't think we can fight on three cup um, fronts all at the same time. The most important one for us is to get deep into the Champions League, get all that lovely, lovely money. Because you look at the Champions League, um, quarterfinals at the moment. I was just looking at this the other night. I mean, the, one of the semi-finals is Inter Milan AC Milan. We would beat both of those teams and and knock them out of the Champions League. Just having a look here. Uh, we mentioned it before. At the current quarterfinals of the Champions League, Real Madrid. We wouldn't beat them. We beat Chelsea. We beat Inter Milan. We beat Napoli. No, no, we wouldn't. We beat Milan. We beat Benfica. So this season we beat four of the quarterfinals of the Champions League because the Premier League is so dominant. And uh, I think next season we can go on and do that. So I'd say quarter-final, semi-final of the Champions League and top four of the Premier League. And outside of that, I don't care. Um, right, next question. Uh, from Brady's Banana. This one is for you, Richard. Anyone worried about the lack of leadership on the pitch against West Ham? Mm, did crumble a bit, didn't we? Mm. Um, no, not not overtly. Um I see what he means in the sense of, uh, or she, I don't know what's going to think. Um, I see what they, they mean in the sense of, you know, we, we did look slightly lost, but it's not like it's been, you know, our, the leadership qualities and the, the way we've been, we've been playing all season doesn't point to me or, 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 or scream to me that we've got a lack of leaders, um, you know, on, 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 on that pitch. I just, I just thought we were, 
I just thought we we looked we looked tired and we looked like we slightly ran out of, of ideas rather than a, um, a you know a lack of a lack of leadership personally. Um, so no, I, I, I that's not saying that, that I've really thought about to be honest with you with this current iteration. You know, you've got the captain of Switzerland, you've got the captain of Norway. Um, uh, you know, on 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 the pitch, you've got big big time characters. You know, like Ben White, like um, Aaron Ramsdale. You know, um, you know, you got you got serial winners. You got captain of Ukraine on, uh, you know, in the squad as well. You know, you got serial winners: Zenchenko, Gabriel Jesus. I'm, uh, yeah, it, it, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and I'm reading it reading it incorrectly. I didn't think it was a lack of leadership thing. I just I thought it was a we ran out of juice thing. Possibly, yeah. Right. Um, I think I've got a question for Stan from uh, Phil Macca. Um, has Saka signed a new deal yet? Hold on. Ignore him. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he, he says he, he says he's still kind of thinking about it. So if I get any more updates, I'll let you know, Phil. You need to email Elite Project Group Limited and as my father used, as, my, as my father used to say, I have two balls, neither of which are crystal. <laughs> now the only first team player we got that doesn't have an agent is Ben White. And Reese Nelson's agent. Of course, Ben relatives. White doesn't. Of How course, does ben he White doesn't. Need an agent? <laughs> he doesn't even like football. I was explaining that to someone the other day. He has no I interest in love football. Ben White. Amazing. Ben White probably still uh, has a fax machine, and I have to fax him copies of his contract so that he can look it over himself. Oh, Boy10 says, uh, Yes, Saka signed a new deal. He tells me he doesn't know why the club are taking their time to announce that he wants to move house already. There you go, breaking news. Not at all made up. Final question. We'll go to you, Carl, from and lots of numbers. Did anyone think Erdegaard hanging round in the tunnel to sign Rice's shirt is uh, it was a sign of modern play, i.e. Vieira Silva and Gilberto Silva wouldn't have done this in their day? I think, no, it was Rice was... Um, Oh, he did sign Rice's shirt, didn't he? Oh, no, I was thinking yeah, that one where got the hump because our players were going in signing that girl's shirt. Well, you, the, the thing is, what, what people don't understand is the context behind it. And I mean things like... Um, you did he have a contract know. underneath it so the pen went through the <laughs> shirt onto the contract <laughs> Arsenal? But you don't know if Declan Rice was getting that for his friend, his neighbour. You know, his neighbour could have said, oh, would you mind just getting um, him to sign this shirt for me because I'm a massive Arsenal fan. He could have been doing it for a competition. He could have done it for a charity. You don't know Maybe he's got a shop on eBay. Yeah, you, you <laughs> know what I mean? So you, no one knows the context He's got an Etsy. This, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I don't know if it was for him. I mean, but players these days do collect, I mean, other players' shirts. I mean, I can't remember if it was... I watched a documentary. I can't remember who it was, whether it was Messi or whether it was Ronaldo. And he's got a room full of other player shirts that all hang up. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I think, do I think they should have done it in the public? Maybe not. You know, Rice could have gone into the, um, could have gone into the Arsenal dressing room or vice versa. But that's where they met. They just met in the tunnel. So I personally wouldn't read too much into it. Um, I would like if, um, Odegaard was tapping up Declan Rice and to say, Are you coming to us next season? I mean, you don't know. I think there's rumours at the moment, isn't there, about him going to Newcastle as well? Because uh, Newcastle, like um, Richard said, are going to spend some money, especially if they if they do get into Europe. I mean, they're probably in Europe already, but if they get to the Champions League, they are 
definitely going to spend some money, um, 100%. And I know there was talk of Rice going there and also Kieran Tierney. That just depends on who they buy. And, you know, it's... um, I think this season, people are going to see Arsenal as competition. So whereas we could get a player for whatever, X amount, I think they're now going to say, oh, Arsenal are getting good. And they're now in the Champions League. We're going to put on an extra million or extra extra zero onto the end. So we'll see. I mean, I think we definitely need a new centre-mid. And I think I saw, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, someone quite big talking about Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham's not coming to Arsenal. I assure you, I 100% am certain Jude Bellingham is not coming to Arsenal. It's He's way out of our price bracket. Um, he's, yeah, he's just as good as a player he is. He's very good. Um, we cannot afford Jude Bellingham. He's going to either Man City or Real Madrid. That's the only two teams who are going to more. If the Man United takeover does happen, he they, he will be Man United. He'll make Man United will make him his marquee signing, and he'll go to Manchester United because they're going to spunk stupid amounts of money. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately, people, G. Bellingham is not coming to Arsenal. I don't know, you know, because it seems to me Ooh. that over the last couple of windows, Mikel Arteta looks like he really wants to drop eighty to ninety million on one player. It looks like he really just wants to drop a whole load of money on one big player. He's like, like the money's literally burning a hole in his pocket. And even though, you know, we brought in, you know, with good deals, Jorginho and Trossard, I think in the back of his mind, he was like, fuck, I want to, oh, I want to spend a hundred mil on someone. <laughs> the thing is, what's good is that he's being backed. You know, you know, the fact that the owners, I mean, for all the, for all the bad press that we gave the Cronkies uh, for the years, and rightly so, because they weren't backing him. I think we're now in a comfortable position where, you know, he's been back. They were going to give him the 100 million for Woodrich. He didn't want to come. We saved that money. I mean, we got a better player in Trossard. So the money is there for us to spend. Caicedo? Um, yeah, the money was there for Caicedo. So, you know, that's another money uh, saved there. I just don't think... I think Jupiter and them goes for no less than about 130 million. Um, I think no less than that because he's got time on his contract. And Dortmund do not have to sell. They don't, they're they're under no pressure to sell him. So, um, but he just wants to leave to go to somewhere better. I do think he wants to come back to us. Sorry, I do think he wants to come back to England. Um, But then if Real Madrid come to you and say, oh, we're going to give you 400 grand a week, then he's going to go to Real Madrid. Like, why would you not? Um, Because I know if you think they're two centimetres, they're both getting on now, aren't they? As good as um, Mudric is and Tony Cruz, you know, Jude Bellingham were getting ahead of those. So Cruz has signed a one-year extension as well, hasn't he? Yeah, that's probably just to um, yeah. ease in their next, <laughs> their next centimetre, whoever that, whoever that player is. But yeah, um, like the boys have been saying, like Stan and Richard have both said, we definitely need a bigger squad uh, next season, if we're going to fight on all fronts, especially in the Champions League, and we just need a better, a better quality of player uh, for next year. That's all the questions, Carl. 
Ah, okay. Well, we've been going for nearly two hours, so I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to us. Um, please put a thumbs up if you can, if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to any other platform, please give us a like. It does help us. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Richard, this is the first time I've podded with you, I do believe. So thank you for coming on. And it was a pleasure podding with you. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. No worries. Stan all the way from Canada. Oh, yes. All right, let's do that afterwards. Stan all the way from Canada. How cold is it in Canada at the moment? It's not so bad, actually. It's quite mild here. Spring is, is, is it looks like it's going to be a nice spring. But um, thank you very much for having me on. Great to see Danny back on the airwaves. And um, if anybody is over this way later on um, at around about 5.40 uh, Pacific time, uh, tune into the Arsenal fan circle where me and the lads and Tony will be uh, basically repeating exactly everything that I've said here today <laughs> on this podcast. So I might just uh, record it and play it back and have a cigarette while I'm on tonight. So join us. And also, if you are looking for some uh, Arsenal mugs, caps, and uh, some uh, stuff like that, check out my Etsy, sh- Etsy store, the Guna Shack, which is on Etsy. And I'll put a link in the chat to the to the uh, Arsenal Fan Circle podcast on YouTube. Oh, lovely, Danny. Thank you. Danny, it's nice to have you back, but you have to be here as this is yours. And the I'm not going to say his name for um, legal reasons, but the pirate that lives in Plymouth and <laughs> likes French football um, and runs um, and changed his name from a C to a K uh, could not be here. No surprise, I've not been here for seven weeks. Well, that's just it. But before we go, Danny did remind me of predictions. So very, very quickly, Richard, Southampton, prediction. 3-1 to the mighty Arsenal. Stan. 4-1. Danny. 6-0, Carl. 1-0, Arsenal. Sorry, I'm being honest. Like I just think we struggle against Southampton for some reason, and... <laughs> Friday night game scare. It's all right. The, the, um, the, the Shane Long tax is over. This is very, very true. Um, yes. But anyway, gents, thank you very, very much for uh, coming on. Uh, hopefully it won't be the last that we put together. Um, catch us probably a post-game show, maybe probably not Friday, maybe Friday night. Yeah, uh, if yeah we're doing it Friday night. Okay, yes, uh, so catch us on Friday night for a post-game show. Once again, everyone gives a thumbs up on wherever you're watching and a like. Thank you, everyone. Take care, look after each other, and up the Arsenal. And also, obviously, hashtag... Say that again. Hashtag fuck Ellis. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. You nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? (laughs) So I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at it. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt.